0: So I'm excited about tonight. So this is our fifth week of the GOAT series. So last time you hear about Tom Brady. I'm kidding, we're talking about Jesus. And he isn't the goat anymore. He's been syncing it up this year. I don't know. But, anyways, he lost to the Chiefs. But alright. So I'm just gonna recap us really quick. First week, do you remember what we talked about? The Savior. Savior. Okay, so Jesus comes, he forgives us of our sins. He and in, He enables us to have relationship with God through his sacrifice on the cross. Okay, that's the first week, the Savior. The second week is the Deliverer, okay? So what does he do when he delivers us? Marcus? Okay, he said saves us. That was the first week, but he delivers us from the power of sin, okay? So he delivers us from the grip of sin and and he enables us to live holy lifestyles, okay? The third week, the Victor, Victor Martinez. No, Jesus the victor, okay? So Jesus defeats deaths and hell in the grave through his resurrection. And then the fourth week was Jesus the king, which was last week. So Jesus comes and sacrifices himself, and through that, he becomes king. And now we're called to give our hearts to Jesus and to make him the king of our lives, all right? So now this week, I'm not preaching, but Pastor Jason's going to preach, and he's gonna talk about, come on, all right? So he's gonna talk about how Jesus is our friend. The thing I love about Jesus is he's our friend even when we're not very friendly, okay? And Jason will unpack that a bit tonight. But as he comes, can you stand up to your feet and give him a round of applause? This is his first time preaching here. Come on.
1: Thanks, guys. So, yeah. As uh, as Pastor Daniel said, um, we've kind of been going through a little series called "The Greatest of All Time," which is about Jesus. And so, yeah, this week is the final week of the series, and we're kind of closing out by talking about how Jesus is your friend. And so, for me, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on myself, kind of tell some stories about myself, you know, as we go, because I don't know all of you, and uh, I want to kind of let you into my life a little bit. So, basically. I'm going to start out talking about when I was in high school. You know, I had a lot of friends, um, a lot of friends that, you know, looking back, I would maybe call acquaintances, you know, people that I knew that I'd talked to a lot. I saw them every day. But really, like, we never talked about anything more than, like, the weather, music, and sports. That's pretty much it. Well, and video games. Um, But other than that, we didn't really talk about a ton. And so, you know, for me... Uh, when I came to college, I went to the University of Minnesota uh, for the first two and a half years of my uh, college career. And when I went there, you know, I I was looking for, for friends and, and lifelong friends that would last a long time. And uh, when I got there, I was in the marching band, so I, I got into that crowd. And I've heard that the band is different here than it is there, but there it's basically a big party. Um, and so I showed up and basically, like, if there wasn't a game, it was a party on Friday and Saturday. If there was a if there was a game, it'd be party party on Saturday night after the game. Um, and so I kind of um, just kind of followed them around because I was like, okay, this is what you do in college. I'll just do what they do because um, that was the only friend group i had really made. Um, and so I kind of uh, went along with that, kind of followed in that crowd, and I I sort of realized that that it wasn't really uh, fulfilling. It wasn't really uh, life giving to me. Um, and so I, really, there's there's many of us that. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of isolated. Even if we have tons of friends around us, we have a lot of people um, that surround us on a daily basis. Um, really, we're, we're very isolated and we're very lonely at times. Um, and Jesus, really, he knows every single thing about us. He knows the deepest and darkest things in our hearts. And yet, he loves us so much. And so he wants us to bring, to bring us into a relationship with him. And he went further than any, any one of us have ever gone for a friend, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on today. And so if you have your Bible with you, we're going to open up to Luke 5, Luke chapter 5. It's in the the New Testament. Um, Just find Matthew and scroll a few more books down you'll find it, or on your phones it'll be really easy because you can just click on it. Um, I'll give you a couple seconds here to get that up.
0: All right, so then it reads
1: On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, and that's Jesus, so Jesus is um, kind of out and about, and then there's a crowd coming up wanting to hear from him. Um, And so they want to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, so they were basically packing up for the day. Um, And Jesus, getting into one of their boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little bit from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he's basically using the boat as a big little auditorium, like the shorelines, like the seating, and and I'm on the boat if I'm Jesus, like, so that's kind of how it is. Um, And so, (laughs) and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for the catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all day and took nothing, but at your word we'll let down the nets. Now that's a big leap of faith, because they probably been, I don't know how many hours they would have been fishing, but it, it was Pretty much all day. Like, this is their livelihood. This is their job. And they know fishing a lot better. You would think they would know fishing a lot better than Jesus did being a teacher and they're a fisherman. But, anyways, uh, he says, okay. He says that he's going to do that. Um, And so, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats that they began to sink. Like, Honestly, if they hadn't caught anything all day, there probably wasn't a ton of fish in the lake to begin with, and then all of a sudden, they're catching enough to fill up two boats, overflowing. Like, the the boats are literally sinking from how many fish there are. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Like, he gets it. He's like, I am not worthy of Jesus. Uh, For he and those who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, uh, from now on, sorry, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Now we're going to skip down a little ways in the story uh, to another instance where Jesus um, asked someone to follow him. And it's verse 27. Uh, He says, and this, he, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting as tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining with him. And all the tax collectors, for a little bit of kind of uh, background there, they're not really the most popular people in their time. Like, they're the guys that tick your money from you. Um, and so the Pharisees and the scribes, which were like religious leaders, they would have been the re- religious elite, um, probably looked at as, as more of like perfectionists in the law of Judaism. And so uh, they grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and, eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, we just thank you today for how you're a friend to each and every one of us. Um, God, I just pray that uh, you would just uh, speak to us today, that uh, your word would um, just be illuminated in front of us, and that we would really um, understand what you have for us uh, tonight. And Jesus, we just um, thank you for uh, every single person in this room and how you're a close, close friend. Uh, to each and every one of us, no matter where we've been uh, right before this or where we're going. Um, Jesus, you, you love us and you care for us deeply. So in your name we pray. Amen. And so my first point tonight is that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with everyone. You see, these, these brothers, these fishermen that were casting out their nets, they weren't anything special. They, they had no skills or talents that would have necessarily made Jesus want to go after them. Um, you know, as a rabbi in this time, he's, he's a teacher. You know, rabbi really just means teacher. And so he, he's a teacher, and usually the teachers of this time, they would go after people that were, you know, around the synagogue. They're around these people uh, on a frequent basis, and they're trying to, to become an apprentice and to learn from a teacher. But instead, uh, what Jesus does is he goes out and finds fishermen, these guys who probably have no schooling, no learning, like they haven't, they haven't been practiced in, in Scripture as much as uh, many others would have been. And so really, uh, no other teacher other than Jesus would have gone out and, and picked up these guys, uh, but Jesus still decides to do so. And then we saw, we saw in the story Levi, who was a tax collector. Well, there's another tax collector in Scripture that you've probably heard of if you've been in church before. Well, Matthew, uh, who became one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, he was a tax collector, and Really, like I said, like, they were not looked at as good people. So remember I said that they collect people's money. Well, what they really did was they collected their taxes, but there wasn't much, like, oversight in this area. So what they would do is they would go out and they would say a number that's a lot higher than what they actually owed, and people would give them that, and then they would keep whatever else was on top, they would keep it as for themselves, like as a surplus for themselves, kind of like a bonus. And so these guys w- were not popular, but Jesus anyways went out and he called Levi, and then he goes and he calls Matthew, and so, yeah, in my, in my own life, um, I can really see that, that parallel to like how, man, God should not have reached out and grabbed me. Um, when I came to the U of M, those friends I had in the band, like I said, I would go and I would party with them. I would just do um, really whatever they were doing. I would just kind of follow along. Um, and honestly, over, over a period of time, it started to feel a lot less genuine. It started to feel like instead of, that they wanted to get to know me on a really deep level, which really is what we need. And, and like, we have small groups here for that. Like, if you need someone to talk to, get in a small group, I'm telling you right now. Um, and so if, if, so for me, I was like, this is not as genuine as I, I was hoping I would have in college. And so I, after I went home over winter break, I kind of felt like sort of a pull um, to come back to the to church. Like, I hadn't gone to church that entire semester. I was like, um, like, I still call myself a Christian, but honestly, I didn't really uh, practice it, and so I just felt when I was back at, at my home church, I, was, I listened to a message. I don't know what it was about or anything like that, but I just knew I need to, to give this another shot, and so I went, and I realized, you know, Christianity is not just rules to follow. It's a relationship with someone, and so I, when I came back, that's what I learned, because man, I went out and I found a, a Christian group on campus, and it was Chi Alpha at the University of Minnesota, and I, I was welcomed in right away. Like, there was like probably three guys that gave me a hug within the first ten minutes of being there, which I thought was really weird, but also was really genuine, so I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and so, yeah, like, honestly, it doesn't matter, you know, where you've been or what you've done, and Jesus is still going to want to reach out to you. He's still going to want to um, call your name and have you follow after him. And so... Uh, there's, there's this guy that we read his writings a ton. His name's Paul. You've probably heard of him if you've been in church. Um, and so in uh, 1 Timothy 1, 5, 15 through 16, he is writing to um, you know, his, his protege, like his, his student, his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, uh, talking about himself, so he's kind of thinking introspectively. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul, who's one of the giants of our faith, one of those guys that we look at and we say, man, this guy, he knew God, like he followed Jesus. But really, before he was a Christian, he would persecute Christians. He would go out and he would intentionally find them and kill them. And instead, now he's, he's on the other team. So he kind of completely flipped from being completely against Christianity to being one of the leaders of Christianity. So if God can use him, he can use you. Like, if, if, you, if you think you're far from God, Paul was way further, and yet he used him in incredible ways to really help start, like, it, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Paul. And so Jesus really wants an intimate and deep relationship with each and every one of us. But there's Another piece of the puzzle in being someone's friend is that we have to give something up. And that's my second point tonight, is that we have to give something up in order to follow Jesus. You see, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they were all fishermen that we read about in this story. They were all casting their nets, catching fish, well, not catching any that day until Jesus came along. Um, But for us, when we read that, like, oh, they put down their nets and they followed Jesus. We're like, okay, cool. They gave up a fun day of fishing, and they went and followed Jesus. Nice. But really, I mean, they're giving up everything. That's the way they make money. That's their, their livelihood. That's how, they, that's how they survive, is that they fish. If, if they aren't fishing, then they're not surviving. And so they're saying that they're giving up that security. They're giving up um, their income, and they're giving up their entire way of life. Like, they're not scholars. They're not, they, they probably did not see themselves... Uh, being teachers at any point in their life, but yet Jesus is taking them and saying, you're going to come follow after me, meaning you're, I'm going to train you up to be teachers. And so they're, they're giving up literally everything they have to follow Jesus. And you see, there's, there's another example in Scripture, um, kind of the opposite of these guys. Um, so you have the, the disciples or, you know, these fishermen that became disciples, they they laid down everything to follow Jesus. Well, there's someone else on the other hand um we, we either call him the rich young man or the rich young ruler, depending on, on where you're at. But uh, it's in Mark 10 if you want to read it later. I'm not going to read it now. I'm just going to give you a little synopsis. So there's this guy. He's very well off. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you have to follow all the laws and commandments. And the guy goes, okay, done that. What else do I have to do? And then Jesus says, give up everything and follow me. And he doesn't do that. He counted all of his riches and everything he had on earth to be greater than following Jesus. And realistically, we look at these things very differently, the the fisherman versus the ruler or the, the rich man. But realistically, they're exactly the same. Jesus is saying, give up your security. Give up everything you have. Give up your way of feeding yourself. Give up all of that and follow me. And the disciples, these fishermen that became disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, they said, they were all in. They didn't know hardly anything about him. They just heard stories maybe, or maybe they heard um, some incredible things that he might have done. But honestly, they wouldn't have believed that he was God at this point yet. But they still had enough faith to follow him. And I think this kind of, this story kind of gives us another, another piece. If, you, if you're already a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, um, man, this story tells us that we should really give every single person that we meet an opportunity to meet Jesus. Jesus knew that this guy was going to say no. Like, he's God. He knows what's going to happen, right? He knew this guy was going to say no. But still, he didn't just say, oh, well, you're not going to get in, so don't worry. He said, no, this is what you have to do to follow me. And the guy said, no, I'm not going to do that. But still, no matter what, we should give people opportunity, even if we think they're going to say no. Give them an opportunity to meet Jesus. And I want to ask you what's getting in between you and a relationship with Jesus, like a deeper, fulfilling, thriving relationship with Jesus? It could be something material, like it was with the rich ruler. You know, it could be uh, something, you know, that's within you, like pride or selfishness, maybe laziness, or maybe that you just don't want to leave your comfort zone. And Jesus called the fishermen out of their comfort zone. They were, they were fishermen. They were not built to speak in front of large crowds, and they would. And they, were, they weren't trained in it at all, and they had their rhythm going. Like, they'd done this for a while now, but Jesus still called them out, and they still followed. And so this new life, this life of following Jesus, would be ever-changing, be constantly full of danger, and sometimes they would do utterly reckless things for Jesus. But they followed him anyway. It was the life that they knew Jesus was calling them to, and they didn't even yet know him as their Savior at this point when they followed him, but they knew his power and his presence, and they knew there was no one like him, so they followed him. And the more that we really value our relationships, the more time we're going to spend with that person. So these guys, they, they followed Jesus, and they would spend extravagant time with him. They would live with him for the, the entirety of his earthly ministry. And for us, like, that tells you like, there's not too much time you can spend with Jesus. Like, He's he's going to invest into you no matter how much time you spend with him. In fact, you'll get so much more out of him the more time you spend with him. If you have a friend that you spend a lot of time with, you're going to start looking like them. You're going to start acting like them. You'll start talking like them. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we start talking like Jesus, the more people are going to want to get to know him. And then there's another piece to this when you start to spend a lot of time with someone. That's my third point is that when we're a friend of Jesus, we want to share his friendship with other people. If you have a friend that you're really proud of and you really think a lot of them, you're probably going to talk about them. So if you're, if you're really spending extravagant time with Jesus and you're really hanging out with Jesus a lot, you're probably going to want to tell people who he is and what he's done for your life. Like, I don't think we should leave services like this where we've been impacted by what God has to say for us and not tell anyone. And so... You know, we kind of have this this dialogue a little bit. Right now it's a monologue, but we have a dialogue. And so we have, right now, and we, on Wednesday and Thursday, we have our small groups. Like I said earlier, like, that's important. Like, this is a dialogue between all of us talking about, you know, what God has done in our lives. And if we're only here on Tuesdays, we don't get to tell anyone what God did did for us on Tuesday. But on Wednesday and Thursday, you can dive in, you can tell tell them everything that God's done, and they can tell you everything God's done for them. And that just makes you want to, pursue a relationship with Jesus that much more. So Jesus, in this story, he's talking to Simon, who we know as this Peter, tells him that you'll be catching men. Or or in Matthew's account, you might have heard this phrase a little bit more, but fishers of men. Um, So Jesus specifically um, refers to his disciples as friends, actually, um, in the book of John, in chapter 15, which I think will be on the screen. Yep. Uh, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. And he's not just saying that to them, because we have the word of God, we have the Bible, and that's God's word to us. He's, He's made the father known to us through the Bible. And so if we're not spending time with him, if we're not seeking after him, then are we really his friend? Like, he, he wants us to be his friend, but there's two people in a friendship. And if one person's really going after the other person and the other person's not responding, then is, that's not truly a friendship. And so I think we need to really pick up that, that second half of that friendship and really follow after Jesus with all we have. You see, because Jesus gave up more for us than we could ever have given up for him. There's nothing we can do that can match what Jesus did for us. And so, it says in Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we've talked about that a few times. While we were yet sinners, so while we were far from God, while we didn't want a relationship with God, he still went and he took on the most embarrassing type of death you could have in Rome. Like the cross was looked at as shameful we talked about last week how how we're supposed to take up our cross and follow Jesus well that's not pretty in that time he's challenging them and so as as friends of Jesus we need to truly grab onto how important what he did for us was he took on the cross he died so that we could have a relationship with him but we also saw in this series, as we were talking about Jesus, we saw how he rose again, and how he was defeated death. And so, man, that that's got to make us really want to be friends with this guy. If he can defeat death, he can beat anything that we're going through. And so, if he can defeat anything we're going through, I think I want to be his best friend, you know. And so, yeah, he he really he lowered down, you know who he was in, in, in terms of being, he was God and he came down and took on the life of a human. He, he experienced everything you've gone through. He, he can be your friend because he literally lived a human life. He was tempted by everything we're tempted by, but yet he was completely sinless. And so if the band could come up now. Jesus was in your position. Wherever you're at today, Jesus has been He's experienced your emotion he's experienced your pain we talked about how his friend Lazarus died and he cried Jesus has been there he's experienced everything that you've experienced and he wants you to to build that deep friendship with him and then he wants you to share it with other people which we're gonna talk about a lot more in this the next series coming up here Um, but I want to talk about Peter he was On that boat that day and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy of you. This same guy would go on to, to walk with Jesus throughout his ministry. He would go on to to be really close friends with Jesus, but at the same time, when Jesus was going to the cross, when he was going to die for all of us and for Peter, Peter denied him three times because he was afraid, you know, because maybe he was worried about what people would think, but he became a critical part of sharing God with the world. And in the book of Acts, um, we see kind of Luke and Acts are kind of one continuous book. They're part one and part two. And so Jesus, after he dies, he, he ascends to heaven and he leaves his disciples on the earth to, to really put us in this room today, to spread the, the good, good news of Jesus and to, to share him with everyone. And he told them, Just wait, wait for something. I'm going to give you something amazing. And so they did. They're waiting, and they got an empowerment of the Spirit. And Peter, that same guy who was afraid, to tell three individual people about Jesus, gets up in front of thousands, and he says this. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they, they would receive that empowerment that the disciples have just received. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So if someone who was afraid to tell anyone about Jesus, all of a sudden can then, out of his extremely close relationship with Jesus, they were very, very close. And also out of the empowerment that Jesus gives us now, to be able to share with 3,000 people is incredible. So that means if, if Peter can do that, you can talk to the person in your class. And you know, we're going to get into that a little bit more next week. But yeah, my main point again is Jesus is the greatest of all time because he sacrificed everything so he can have an intimate friendship with all of humanity. We're all asked to give up something to be with Jesus. But I promise you what you lose is going to be so far insignificant compared to what you will gain from a relationship with him. We might lose some temporary enjoyment, some little thing that gives us some kind of comfort, like maybe our comfort zone is that thing. But when we find a friendship in Jesus, what we find is a happiness that goes beyond any circumstance, and is truly eternal. The little things that we get to have for comfort today or the little bit of security maybe we feel like we have in something Jesus is calling us to get rid of, it means nothing compared to the ultimate joy and happiness that he's going to give us, and the ultimate, like, sacrifice he's done for us is more than we could ever imagine.